do Jewish women talk about midlife? Hi, I'm Devara Krasniansky, and I've been coaching women for a long time in all areas of life, including women in midlife. Midlife is an exciting time, but it's also confusing, and so I invite experts to join me here as we unpack this crazy and interesting time of our lives. You can join our conversations on our Facebook group, Jewish Women Talk About Midlife, and on our website, Jewish Midlife. When we hit midlife, so much is changing, especially our bodies. And so how we care for our bodies also has to change. I had the pleasure of speaking with Ashara Zuckerman, a knowledgeable and supportive personal trainer who specializes in midlife women's health. Our conversation focused on the significance of exercises specifically tailored to strengthen the bodies of midlife women with a particular emphasis on bone health and cardio fitness. Ashara spoke about five key exercises that play a vital role in promoting strength and resilience during this stage of life. Her expertise, patience, and encouraging guidance have not only helped me personally, she has also taught me the importance of correct form, pacing, and alignment to maximize the benefits of each exercise. Join me as we delve into a deep discussion on the importance of these exercises, their impact on bone strength and cardiovascular health, and the crucial role they play in empowering midlife women to thrive. There's so much here about strength training for us at midlife. Enjoy. Today, we're having a really important conversation about fitness and making sure that we are fit and strong and healthy for the rest of our lives. And it starts with really taking care of ourselves. And what I'm learning, and I'm sure Ashari, you'll tell us more about it, is that the, fit, the way we took care of ourselves, the exercise that we did in our younger years are wonderful for that time, but we have to tweak things up a little bit for the way that our bodies are changing. And so there's things to really know and to adapt. So I'm really excited to be having this conversation. So I'm talking with Ashara Zuckerman and Ashara, you can tell us a little bit more about the work that you do. I see that we're, you're sitting in your studio. So I wanna hear a little bit more about what you do in your studio and what you do with your clients. Okay, thanks for having me. It's amazing the work that you're doing and I'm so happy to be here. This is my studio. I'm in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and I work with women primarily over the age of 40, but really from 19 to almost 80. And we work on getting strong, using our muscles, learning how to move, having proper body mechanics and getting strong from the inside out with a real focus on form, on a form and how that helps our daily functionality and helps us feel better and prepares us for life. Right. So there's a few things that come up for midlife specifically as far as fitness. Of course, there's a lot of things in hormones and, and brain fog and all of that, but not all of that is related to exercise or the fitness that you work with. But I'm, what I'm hearing a lot about in, is bone health. Um, yeah. And uh, what else, what else is in that category? Cardio bone health, building one's bone density is achieved really through weight bearing exercise. Weight bearing is defined as any exercise that takes place on your feet where weight is placed on the lower extremities. So anything like squatting or lunging or where your muscles are working under some pressure. Swimming is great, but it's not weight-bearing. It's cardiovascular. It's going to strengthen your heart muscle. But when we do things to strengthen the muscles in the lower extremities, that's going to stimulate bone health and bone strength, which we really need as we get older. Helps us. It's really preventative. It helps to prevent falls. It helps the joints get stronger. 
It prevents hip fractures, uh, prevents knee injuries. It prevents imbalance from taking over. There's a lot of benefits to the weight-bearing exercises. So what are some examples of weight-bearing exercises? Of course, working with weights, and we want, I want to yeah. talk about the right and the wrong way to do that. But beside working with weights, what other exercises are weight-bearing? You said lunge. So you can do weight, you can do squats and lunges. So there's five categories of movements that we do. There's hinging, there's lunging, there's pushing, there's pulling, there's reaching. So there's these five categories that we go through. And if you think about your everyday life, those are all the movements that we do. Those are it and the carrying. So we go through those categories and we make them more challenging. So whereas when someone starts, they may only use their body weight and the way you would increase your weight bearing load and challenge to your muscular system without weights would be by playing around with your pacing. So maybe slowing things down or speeding things up. Many people think the best way to get through a workout is to just go quickly. But actually, I like to tell my clients, you want to think about time under tension. So that's not a hurting tension, but it is sort of keeping the muscle under tension a little bit longer, which promotes the muscle to get stronger. So if we're doing like a lunge, stay in that position rather than just go up and down? Um, yeah, only the caveat would be as long as you're sure that that's a lunge with proper body mechanics, because a lot of people will have a lot of knee pain. So you'd want to make sure that your form is right before you would start doing it. But if you're someone who's has their videos that they do and you're happy with them and you want to get a little bit more, or you, maybe you got a exercise prescription from your physical therapist and you want to add a little bit more to those, you can, you can slow things down or you can go down for a count of two and up for a count of one. There's different ways to play with pacing to not only increase the muscular load, but to send different neurological signals when you play with that pacing and so patterns. Walking, walking, running, jogging. Oh, okay. So if you're out on a walk, okay. So if you're out on a walk, if you're out on a walk, you can, you want to make sure. So power walking is great. You want to pump the arms. You can focus on pressing your shoulders down, holding your arms tight. I like to think about different things, um, which is alignment. So alignment is another way that you can make something more challenging. Shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip, straight. A lot of us have a tendency to roll one forward the way we sit, the way we lean. So when you're walking and you think, well, my shoulder to shoulder should be even. My hip to hip should be even. You'd be surprised what a meditation that is and how that actually will strengthen your core because it takes concentration and work to keep your shoulders back and to keep that one shoulder that wants to roll, keep that back. So that, that's another way to get more effectiveness and more core work out of your walk. Jogging, jogging as well. I mean, I'm sure that people who are jogging just want to make sure they're doing that safely. They can play with their pacing. They can do intervals, not full out sprints. If you don't want to, you can go a little faster for 30 seconds at a time or something like that. 
so like walking running walking running and yeah yeah intervals intervals are great there's a really good app called c to 5k everybody knows about it couch to 5k and it takes you through i think it's like an eight week or maybe more training program getting you ready to run a three mile race it's a free app and it's a really quality app it just tells you now walk and then you know the first week you're jogging 30 seconds twice you know and then the next week you add on so that's a really good way so that the person doesn't over fatigue and then you know not want to do it again for six weeks so it's about finding that balance something that's going to be maintainable so jogging and walking are considered weight bearing exercises as far as, far as bone health they're really more in the ca- the category of cardio because of the level of focus it's not really I guess it's technically weight bearing because you are upright and walking but I think when a doctor or physical therapist says weight bearing exercises, that's going to be a more typical regimen of if you're not squatting, maybe bringing a high march, getting your knee to come above the hip and below. Cause most of us are just frontal motion, walking through that frontal plane, everything stays low. So, you know, holding yourself straight, shoulder, shoulder, hip to hip and bringing your knees up. That's a pretty typical one. That's going to promote the core strength, sense of balance, um, also really good for your hips to be able to lift that knee up. We don't want to shuffle. We find that as people age, they start to shuffle or that's why you want to practice those things, little ways of lifting the knees up and, and let's talk keeping about, mobile throughout the hip. So let's talk about actual weights themselves because there's lots of different ways that they are selling, whether it's the weighted vest, which is a whole different thing than the yeah. dumbbells, but then the bracelet. Let's talk yeah. about which are better for you and which are sold but probably not so good for us yeah okay well I think a set of five pounds and an eight I I think a set of three fives and eights are good for everybody those are really good the weighted vest is really more used by athletes to do things like squats and lunges where they're using that weighted vest for weight bearing lower extremities leg exercises but their hands are free So that might allow them to practice catching a football or doing something else with their hands. Reasons to avoid walking or jogging with a weighted vest is that's 10 pounds on the spine. If a person has not really practiced staying upright, they can really, they can throw their back out. They can throw their hip out. So because any imbalances that they may have will be exaggerated with the vest on. So, you know, there's a place for them, but I wouldn't recommend it as just like a go-to unless you're going to the physical therapist and they have you put it on, obviously. Ankle weights and wrist weights are pretty much in the same category. You're talking about putting a weight, unless a person's got really strong wrists that they know are strong and their ankles are strong, you want to hold those weights because actually holding the weight, I tell my clients all the time, look down at your wrist when you're holding the weight, you should have a straight line. If that weight is, is causing your wrist to open, and then you're going to get that wrist pain. It's actually work just to hold the weight in the hand, weight in the hands and keep your wrist straight. That's actually, that's going to cause all your muscles to engage. I'm a bigger fan of the dumbbell. Also resistance bands are terrific. There's some hanging over there, but any, any resistance band is going to be a safe way to challenge yourself. It's plenty challenging and very effective. As far as weight bearing specifically. Yeah. Well, it, so as far as building the strength and the mobility and the functionality of a muscle. So if let's say a person wants to work their back muscles, 
or their shoulder muscles, and they don't really feel comfortable lifting a whole weight over their head, they start with a resistance band and they just pull down. Just the motion of reaching and pulling is in and of itself beneficial. Releases neck pain, releases neck tension, back pain. So not sure that's exactly, that's in the category of strength training. So what I'm also hearing through all this is that uh, it should at least get started uh, your ex new exercise regimen with somebody who can really make sure that he's getting the right, he's doing the right thing, not jumping you know, 10 steps ahead and you're holding yourself in the right form and not just watching a video and saying, oh, that looks fun or my neighbor is doing that, but really getting to know what you're doing, what you're doing for yourself from your own starting point and what you want to work on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a trainer is good. There are some pretty competent people on YouTube. There's some real experts who are out there putting themselves out there to work with beginners. I think there is a lot, a lot to learn there. And obviously like the red flags are always going to be promises of anything, any kind of, any promise other than you will get stronger from doing this is something you want to stay away from. But someone who's out there making themselves available for for beginners is as long as they have credentials, they're a certified physical therapist, personal trainer, and you, they're prompting you throughout the workout to do things safely is a good sign. The trainers who never mention safety are not, but any trainer at any level, a trained trainer will always be talking about that. Yeah. Hiring someone or finding someone like that on, on YouTube who's concerned with your form and safety is probably a good bet. So what about yoga? So yoga can be great. There's so many different types of yoga, many different, many different paths that yoga has gone through. So yoga can be really good. And if you enjoy yoga, then that's great. It's not necessarily going to build strength. However, some yoga is more focused on strength. So it kind of depends. I find the, that with yoga, some people will find things like planks or again, anytime they're going to put pressure on their wrists or on their knees, they're going to have aches and pains. Just want to make sure that your teacher knows how to provide you with the appropriate adjustment so that you're not in pain. I think that a lot of us grew up and we heard these slogans or no pain, no gain, or we saw things and, and people, there are some people, it's not everyone, but there are some people who still think that exercise should be painful. And if it's painful, then they've done something right. So I know in my practice, I really teach what it feels like to contract a muscle. And that is not a painful feeling. It is exertion. Sometimes you will be exerting yourself, but it shouldn't feel painful. Your knees shouldn't hurt. Your back shouldn't hurt. Your neck shouldn't hurt. That's, that would be an indicator that something needs to be adjusted. It's so like when people talk about that, I, today is my leg day and they, are, they can't do leg work the next day because they're in such pain or such stress. Are they not doing it right? No, I wouldn't say that. No, I mean, I think it depends at their level of training. There's, it's definitely possible to train safely and still be sore the next day. That's for sure. Especially people who are putting a lot of stress on their muscles in a safe way. Yeah, they'll have some soreness, but that, but again, that could be a buildup of lactic acid in the muscles. Totally okay. It depends. It, did a person throw their back out or did they work really hard? It's important that people just realize there is a difference. So after, yeah, sometimes there will be soreness and that's fine. 
but they have to, you have a person has to understand in their own body, what's the muscle soreness and, and, and that, that will feel in the muscle most people, if they work out a little bit, will start to understand what a joint feels like, what a muscle feels like. They're very different feelings have joint pain versus muscle pain. I guess that makes sense. Now, another whole set of questions moving along as far as the timing in the day of when is ideal, of course, when you can do it is ideal. So, but yeah, if you can either do it in the morning or before you go to sleep, because you can make it either when work, is there one that is better? Than I you? think that they've come out with things that have said, oh, if possible the morning, but I, there's plenty of people who work out at night. I used to love working out in the morning. Now I work all mornings. So I'm really psyched when I get a morning off and I can work out in the morning, but usually I work out at the end of my day, sometime about midday, really. And I can work just as hard, but there is something nice about that morning. You people up, people are, makes your, you feel great the rest of the day, but I wouldn't say effectiveness. It doesn't really make a difference mm-hmm. as long as you feel like you're present enough to get the work done. So I think if you're working outside, Sometimes the earlier morning, especially now I'm getting into the summer, the earlier is just less hot. Yeah. And sometimes less humid. It really depends on how the day Yeah. Goes. Yeah, so that's true. That might be enough of a reason, but in the winter, that's not necessarily the best reason because it's too cold. So just yeah. figuring out, I think whatever works, I, like we said, whatever works best is best, but I was just wondering as far as if we can nav- make our own schedule, when is better? So you're saying it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. No. A lot of times they say to work out at the same approximately the same time every day. I think there's research that suggests that's beneficial. Your body kind of comes to expect it and sends some hormonal and chemical signals that will help the workout. Right. They say the same thing about eating. Yeah. The body wants to know when it's going to be eating. It's kind of ready. Yeah. Then it's going to react differently. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and so then go leading to that, as far as eat before, drink before, after, how long after? There's so much to say about that. When people are just starting out by me, I really like them to have something. I know a lot of people, don't, you don't want to work out on a full stomach, but like a fasting workout, you definitely want to, I, I don't advise that. Some people do it. That's totally fine. But um, I wouldn't advise that at all. So a little something, some almonds, a banana, or you can have your regular breakfast and just wait an hour. Definitely have water nearby. You want to just take little sips the whole time. If you are stressing your muscles and working with weights, that's going to tear down tissue. So putting the muscles under stress makes little tears that then actually rebuild as lean muscle that rebuilds the muscle protein sources act as a band-aid for that repair they help it repair so eating protein within 40 minutes of exercising where you've used weights is shown to help muscle growth and i think prevent some soreness so is that 40 minutes before or after 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 that's after yeah Yeah. An empty stomach would be like fasting. If you ate an hour or two, even two hours or three hours, that's usually fine for the workout, even three hours after a meal. Some people will come in the morning. They didn't eat since the day before. I've only had two people faint. It's very scary. (laughs) Not fun. Not fun. 
So I, I'm pretty strict, but once just when they're first starting out, then they can understand their, their cues and stuff. So as far as sweating, is it okay? Like if so be working out in the heat of the day or with less air conditioning, or does it, does it really matter as long as you're drinking? You want to always be aware of, of your own body's signs. You ask yourself, a trainer will ask you, are you feeling lightheaded or dizzy during a cardio segment? Um, some people, when they first start working out, a lot of up and down movements will make them feel uh, like a vertigo type of feeling. That's also something that you want to be careful of. Things like rotation, spinal rotation, some people who aren't used to that, that will give them a feeling of an uneasy feeling, just as being overheated, just as being dehydrated. So there's no, this isn't, you know, unless you're taking hot yoga, you can be, we blast the air conditioner here. So I have some people who say, turn it off. Then some people will say, turn it on powerful. That's really a personal preference of you knowing, but there's no benefit to working out in the heat. So at all, but you want to keep selling, drinking. Remember that when they were selling those sweat that like sweat guards, not sweat guards, no, to actually make the, you that yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, that, that might just make a small, small difference on this. I don't know why people do that. That maybe they're trying to hit a certain weight, which is just going to be water anyway. It's not even that doesn't, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure why that's a fad. There's a lot of fads. I went to a cycling class one time. Um, I almost fainted. It was an indoor cycling class. And after I was Googling it and they say, yeah, they, they turn up the heat so high to make people think that they're working harder. Oh, wow. If they would look at like their Fitbit or their activity tracker, they actually weren't working any harder at all. Their heart rate probably wasn't any higher. Their output wasn't any higher, but because it's so hot, they feel like they worked out more. Oh, so I'm going to go back to that place because they worked me the best. This is like actually untrue. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all for the air conditioning, but if you want to go out, I also like work, you know, it's nice to get outside and sweat in the summer. Also it's a good feeling. Just make sure you have your, they have electrolyte drinks, little kosher tabs that you can put in your water to just replenish. They're very good. It's called N-U-U-N. They're actually pretty good. Um, there's no sugar. So it's like Gatorade without the sugar. It's pretty good, actually. So um, like little tablets they put into your water? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can get the same effect if you just squeeze some lemon or orange also. They get some electrolytes too. All right. As far as you mentioned the Fitbit or the activity tracker, what are we, if we were to buy a device, what are we, look? what are the features that we're looking for? So the tracker is really good to, to count your steps. So most people are not aware of their non-energy exercise, non-exercise energy that they do, non-exercise activity, excuse me, non-exercise activity. And they say that is actually the main determining factor of a person's metabolism is their NEAT, N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So how many steps you take throughout the day? So some people will go, actually, I, I was working so much. I, I had this experience. I, I was working a lot. I don't work out when I teach. I'm guiding people, but I am not exercising by any means. And then I do my hour of workout and then I would sit the rest of the day. A lot of us, no matter what your job is, it's like you think, you okay, even if you do your sit at the desk all day, 
you go to exercise, you think you're done for the day. They're like, it's better to take your 10,000 steps and spread them out throughout the day. If you had to choose one, they say it's better to just spread them out and get a ton of walking in than to just do that one hour activity. Ideally, we're going to do the strength training and we're going to get the steps in. That's the best because you're getting the both, you know. So I have a Fitbit. I have the most simple one. It's like $70 on Amazon. Gets your heart rate. Really fun to track that. It gives you a score on your sleep, which I know you did a talk on sleep. Super important. Tracks how much you sleep. And they're very like for people who are not into computers. And, and it tracks your steps. So like I was telling my friend, she felt very sluggish. She felt like she wanted to feel more energized. And I just told her, try to get your 10,000 steps in. And she loves it now because she sees at the end of the day, wow, it was like a slow day, sat at my desk all day. I only did 6,000. She goes out, takes a walk down Eastern Parkway to the yo and back. She's at 10,000 and it feels good. Right. They also talk about for other reasons to get up, like every, every 45 minutes, get up from your seats and just for other reasons, not, not only for your steps, but to go oh, yeah. and just to move because just yeah. doesn't move very much. This, this has a little setting, actually, it does a little vibrate buzz to remind you to get up and move and to drink. Yeah. So yeah, it's very important to move around throughout the day. And make yourself reasons to move around. If you're working in the office, go to the further restroom or yep. take the steps to the restroom on the other floor. Yeah. Go or, to the fish store, buy your fish for dinner. Yep. Keep walking, keep moving. Find the places that you can actually walk to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know there's all that, the typical one of parking your car further away. It's like, it's a good one. And take the steps in your building rather than the elevator, if that's what's available to you. Like just yep. finding the little opportunities for exercise. Yeah. I remember years ago reading an article about this woman who she wanted her husband to take out the garbage three flights down and he didn't for whatever reason, but it's not about the marriage. But then eventually when she reframed it as taking out the garbage is an opportunity for exercise, she reframed it for help the marriage, but it also helped her exercise. So I thought yeah. that was an interesting way of looking for opportunities. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. And then there's always opportunities. Instead of leaving things at the bottom step, you can go up every time we have something to put away. Yep. Yep. Going upstairs to get stuff, doing the laundry, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's very functional in our daily lives. You know, we have to do it anyway. And so we were talking about the weight bearing for bone health. And then we started, we mentioned a few for cardio. Can we just make a little bit more of a list of what are good exercises for cardio? Okay. Good exercises for cardio. We know the obvious ones of walking and jogging. Dancing, you could do a faster paced yoga, swimming, really any, there are so many videos on YouTube of low impact cardio. Anytime you're moving your arms and legs, marching in place, hopping, jumping rope, any, anything really, anything that's going to get you up and moving. So the fun thing about having a Fitbit or an activity monitor is you can actually see your heart rate. Um, which I was never so into before, but I am finding it quite interesting now to see, okay, here's my resting heart rate. And if you look at what the 
what we're supposed to, how high we're heart rate supposed to be getting according to medicine, it's, it's pretty taxing. They want us to be strengthening that heart muscle. Cardiovascular is the act of strengthening your heart muscle. People think, oh, it's, it, cardio means jogging. Cardio means it's your heart. Cardio is the heart. Cardiovascular activity is elevating your heart rate so that the heart works harder. So it's like strength training for your heart. So pump the arms when you're walking and feel that heart rise, a little shortness of breath. Those are good things. That's how we strengthen the heart. Which is something that we really start needing when we time to hit midlife, we start noticing that we really ought to be doing. We're in our 20s, our hearts are really strong. In our 40s and 50s, is they still can be quite strong, but we have to maintain that. Yeah. Not just, our birth, not just as strong because we were born that way. We yeah, that's right. So it's really like these changes that are happening are really happening. They're really happening. They are really happening. Yeah, like a walk after dinner, keep on moving, get the heart rate up just a little bit. Even just watching the clock for a minute and doing a low impact, no jumping, just taking the arms above the head and doing a jumping jack. Anytime your arms go above the head, that's going to be about 30% more, more load for the heart. So you're going to feel that heart rate go up. You can even you can hold something above your head. You can straighten out your arms and march. You're going to feel your heart rate go up there as well. That's why when you take like a, an aerobics class, even from, you know, way back when they're always march in place, march in place. If your arms are above your heart, you're going to feel that heart rate start to rise. And actually that's a very good warm up to do. So let's say you were going to do a video on YouTube or go on a walk, doing some of that warming up in the house to get the heart pumping. Uh, it's a very good way to prep the body for some of that. And also to cool down, to slow things down at the end. So the heart rate doesn't just drop off, you know, back to resting. Right. So we've been talking for about a half hour about exercise and not once did we talk about weight loss, which I think is really a good thing because we're really trying to use exercise to strengthen our bodies. We may lose some weight, but I think that when the goal is to lose weight, we end up doing different kinds of exercise and we're not really doing it to really strengthen what needs to be strengthened. And so that's what I find when I talk to people. Very, yeah, that's very well put. That's very well put. It's so, so true. It's so, so true. Your intention, why, why you're there. I was reading something recently that says it may cause a person to drop some weight. It's just one part of a very big picture. The reason why, like if someone wants to lose weight, why they're, where they're going to add in that cardio is, or, or even just regular exercises, it's in, in addition to cutting out some calories, then they add a little bit more of that deficit with some, with some exercise, but it's, it's not significant. Like if a person just, it's exactly what you said. If a person thinks I'm going to burn more calories by really just throwing my, you know, by, by doing things, it's, it, they're not really, first of all, the, really the caloric difference is like nothing or nil. It doesn't have any effect. And they didn't get all the benefits of moving slowly with intention and and they're not moving slowly, but moving with intention to strengthen certain bodies, body parts and muscle areas. So 
That's so true. When people are doing it to lose weight, they do it, do approach it differently. And, I, and what, uh, what a stress, of, at least from what I'm seeing and from my colleagues, and you know better, this is your field, but the idea is to really strengthen our bodies. And for most people, at least at the very beginning, when there is extra weight to lose, it will come off. And yeah, so it's true. Maybe not the last 10 pounds, but some weight will come off. And what I'm also finding amongst my peers at least, is once you start taking care of yourself in the exercise part of your life, you start eating a little bit better and drinking more and taking care. So as long as you start from one prong, a lot of other things fall into place once you're taking this seriously. It's so true. It's so true. Yep. That's so true. And the good feelings that you get and the endorphins, they stay with you afterwards. And I think that's really well put. It's true. And what I'm also hearing is that with the consistent exercise, the sleep for many people, their sleep actually ends up being better. Yeah, yep, it does. The exercise definitely improves your sleep. Um, there's a lot that goes into sleep. I wish it was only exercise because <laughs> I exercise a lot. I can wake up with some. I, I mean, I I'm I'm working on my sleep because my Fitbit gives me a score, and I don't like getting bad grades. But it does most, especially when a person person first starts exercising, they're going to get a, they get a pretty nice sleep out of that as well. Yeah. The benefits span so far. And I like the way you said that it really does affect every part of your life. So your choices, you will, we will make healthier choices. Well, that's, at least that's my experience was that when I, yeah, when yeah. I do a workout, which is different than the days that I am too busy to do a workout, which I have to really restructure my days like I well, do they say two in the morning but I'm talking about other you know more specific yeah they say like two to three days a week of strength training is good and then the other days of walking um that's great walking is really good I think they keep coming out with more and more studies about how great walking is well because even they say even like a person who jogs for half an hour it's really the same as a person who walks for an hour when they're talking about calories so if a person's going to have knee pain and hip pain after their half hour job, it's going to cause them to sit the rest of the day, then take the hour walk, feel energized and got all those benefits. So you can keep moving, you know, and, and keep energized for the day. Yeah, well, you know, that extra half hour may make a difference in someone's day. So maybe, it's true. So it's true. Again, if you're going to end up sitting the whole time, maybe it's not worth it. And again, there's trade-offs and everything. But yeah, there are. Understanding the trade-offs is what I'm really understanding from this. Is what am I trading off of? I'm doing a faster exercise, faster or shorter exercise time. Am I really gaining the benefits, the equal benefits? Because like, like you were saying to begin with, to do it slower and hold the position and have feel the burn or feel the stretch rather than just running the whole time. So, so yeah. And there's a lot of great, like five minute videos on YouTube, like five minute arms, five minute legs, five minute shoulders. And that is just as beneficial. Actually, um, it doesn't have to be done all at one time. There's, there's actually no benefit in, I mean, well, maybe for the cardio element of strengthening the heart, but there, other than that, it's, I mean, for the endurance, but a person can break up that hour or that half hour or that 15 minutes of exercise into five and 10 minute segments. And it has the same benefit. 
uh, putting in a whole hour at one time. And what are your thoughts about doing like an hour and a half every other day? Or is that a lot? An hour and a half is a lot. And well, not, I mean, it's for a walk, I'd say it's fine, but an hour and a half, I guess it depends on what that person's doing. Most people that I follow like over 40, they say an hour of strength training is pretty much should be good. Um, but if you're talking about walking, I think walking is something that we can do however much feels good. It's something that's natural, really natural. That's how we would, we humans were designed was to walk. I love it. And it's such a good stress relief and it's such a great, I love walking. Oh, the other thing that I love to add to the walking, if I, when I'm not be walking in real nature is to look for the nature. I love like finding the, the little weeds that grow between the sidewalk cracks. Like there really is nature and there's so many interesting things to see if you slow down and appreciate yeah. what you're looking at. It may not be nature, but this, so I think there's just, it's just curiosity, just seeing what is in this city, in the cityscape. I find it's just, an, I love it too. An awe walk. It's just like, wow, look at this world that we were so busy before, but when I, I find that when I actually slow down, not necessarily slow down the walk, but slow down my thinking and enjoy what I'm seeing, even if it's a cityscape, even if it's graffiti, even if it's garbage, there's still something beautiful and curious about what I'm looking at. And I really, I enjoy the walk, even if some parts of Brooklyn. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And it's a good, it's a great perspective. It really is. Yeah, I love it. I love to walk in Brooklyn. You can walk to Trader Joe's, do your shopping and come home. There's, yeah. And it's amazing you if you've been in Brooklyn. Joe's, you just can't walk back. That's, I know, I know it. That's exactly true. It's amazing to see how Brooklyn's changed too. It's like we're in a time lapse, watching it in real time, just keep developing. It's amazing. Another beautiful place to walk is in Williamsburg down by the water. Right. Or walk to the park or get a membership in Brooklyn Botanic Gardens is also beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. And that changes, then you can really see it change. So there's something wonderful about being in nature, but also if you can't be in nature, I really recommend enjoying the cityscape because there's really so many interesting things, so many interesting people to be looking at. Or just, it's just, I just find it fascinating to the world that we are living in. And you can contrast that to the nature that you enjoy being in, but I just find that not dreading the walk. Like some people say, it's such an ugly walk. I don't, Yes or no, it really depends. Yeah, on yeah, it's true. It's true. And you probably have listeners from, you know, all around, right? All of different, many different places, right? So that's why I want to keep it. Not everyone has the Brooklyn scape, and even Brooklyn, I find, and or different parts of Brooklyn, but there's so much to see in any city. Some cities do have more green space, and some houses that they pass have more green space. But my point is that anywhere you go, even if you go into real concrete jungles, there's something to enjoy the walk. I totally agree. T today I went out with my mother in the forties and I just walked down to 14th street. I just, and every few blocks it changes. Totally. You know, <laughs> really something. Yeah. So Shara, we spoke about a lot of things and there's no, I mean, talking about fitness is, is a, a long time, a long, a long conversation, but I think that we really covered the basics of what is important to think about as you're thinking about your exercise regimen, what you was changing it up and really understanding what you should be doing for your midlife body.
It just is. It's changing. And the just body is, yeah. The body as it's changing, but do what you, the best that you can for it. And I think that's really important. It's so important, and it's an investment. The work we do in our 40s and 50s and 60s is the investment for later. It's it's proven over and over again how beneficial that work is. It's it's true. It's truly an investment. And um, put that as, a, as an investment because like when you see people in their 80s and 90s who are shuffling or bent over, I'm wondering what they could have done differently in their earlier years so that they wouldn't necessarily be in this physical shape that they are right now. Not everybody, but some of them. And it's just, yeah. while looking at them as an inspiration for what I ought to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and obviously other things happen where they might need to draw on those reserves. Really invested just daily exercise and walks and she's a breast cancer survivor. And the doctors told her that her recovery had a lot to do with um, that she had put the time in, in into strengthening herself before that happened. Oh, wow, so that's another important reason. So it's not only just for our bones; it's just for what inevitably will happen to us in some way or another. Just yeah, how one different. Yeah, hopefully we won't know from it, but but it's also good to have some have that strength behind us. God willing, we'll all be healthy. <laughs> but yeah, but they do say that's the preventative aspect. Right. So Shara, how can people reach you? And I know you have your studio in Brooklyn, but yes. also online. Yep. I train with people on Zoom. My Instagram handle is move underscore with underscore Ashara, A-S-H-A-R-A. And we're working on a website. And that's what you can find me here in my studio in Crown Heights or on Instagram. All right. So thank you so much. And I look forward to working with you again. So yes, absolutely. Come over for a session. I will. And I will. So thank you. Great. Great. Thanks so much. This was wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website, jewishmidlife.com, and follow us on Jewish Midlife on Instagram or Facebook, and join our conversations in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. And share what we're doing with your friends and others in the midlife phase.